The Lord bless you. I'm going to say it's great to see Sandra and the kids today. <clears throat> Those of you that don't know, we weren't really able to announce, you know, to the entire congregation, but uh, Sandra Main and her family, Sam, her husband and the father of the kids, it's good to see some of the kids here with their mama today, went home to be with the Lord, and we had a beautiful memorial in here. This place was packed with standing room only due to the seating the way that it is, but remember Sandra in your prayers, and I want to, uh, not to embarrass you in any way, Sandra, but your situation is just still heavy in my heart. Um, Sandra's husband, Sam, the picture of health, uh, younger than me, when I learned that, I'm like, what? Younger than me, had had some back pain, went to the doctor with it, got injections, I know what that's like, I've got a shoulder issue and I have to get injections from time to time. Tried to manage it. It seemed to get a little worse. It didn't, didn't go away. Months went by, and in March, just as COVID-19 was breaking out, uh, more tests were ordered because the, the, the shots weren't helping, and they found uh, cancer just everywhere. He was completely filled with cancer and has been promoted to heaven just that quickly from March to just a couple weeks ago. Folks, Whatever you need to make right, make it right. I look at, at Sam was her husband's name, Sam, and he knew the Lord. He got saved. He gave his heart to Christ. He's in heaven. And the family, we all rejoice with Sandra and the family. But I look at the children. I'm so impressed with your children, Sandra. I look at them and know that Sam did something right. Because your children are sharp. They're blessed they love God, and uh, they're living out His legacy every single day. You'll look at them and see Him. I know you will. I, kn I know you have and you will. So, but let's remember Sandra and the family in our prayers, if we could. I want to give you the title of today's message because some of you already got it if you get the email communications from us each week. And the title is simply one word, Doors. The title of my message today is Doors. I'm going to start reading from Revelation chapter 3, one of the letters to one of the seven churches, which is the church of Philadelphia. Jesus is speaking and says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. <clears throat> Excuse me. What he opens and no one can shut. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, see? I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming to the entire world, to test the inhabitants of the earth. I believe that's a reference to what we understand as the great tribulation period, that seven-year period of great tribulation that Revelation explains in detail. Number 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious will be a pillar in the temple of my God, Never again will they leave it. 
I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Folks, I believe we have entered into a time where open doors are going to be set before us while at the same time, other doors will be closed shut by the hand of God Himself. And we need the discerning of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the spiritual gifts, the discerning of the Holy Spirit to bear witness within us as to whether God is opening a door or shutting a door. We need to know whether it is God or not so that we can recognize and embrace both. Because God is clearly saying, these are the words of Jesus. They're in red in some Bibles. When God opens a door, no man can shut it. And when God shuts a door, no man can open it. I believe God is opening doors and shutting doors. And both can come with new callings, new directives, new revelations, new marching orders, if you will. Because we are coming into a time, I'm going to go into that in a little bit, that I believe is the final time for the kingdom of God in the earth, for the final harvest of the lost, of lost souls to come into the kingdom. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, after the church was born, God speaking and saying, He has now commanded, 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 all men everywhere to repent. And that's Acts 17, verse 30. He's commanded, not suggested, not maybe, not invited, not an option. God says, I'm commanding now all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because He, God, has set a time for judgment. He has set a time for judgment. Folks, whatever we, whatever we do and whatever we see today, let us please see the time that we're living in. It's the final hour, the final time. I fear that much of the American church doesn't see the time that we're in. This is a time that the battle is raging, that the final warfare, I mean, if ever, if ever, if ever, the things of God, the kingdom of God, if you will, is suffering violence, this is a time where we're suffering violence. And we, the spiritual army of the Lord, must start taking back the kingdom. Scripture says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Take it by force. Now, I know the Bible says we're to be as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove, but everybody even knows there comes a time where a serpent has no other option but to strike, which is force. I'm talking about a forceful kind of praying in this time. I'm talking about a forceful kind of praise, a forceful shout, if you will. Church, it's time for a forceful pursuit of truth, a forceful forgiveness toward everyone and anyone who has ever wronged you, a forceful or violent love. Jesus said we're to, we're to love those people that hate us, and he took it even further than that. He said, love them, people that hate you, and that despitefully use you. Goodness gracious. I mean, it's one thing to love the ones that hate us, but wait a minute. 
people that despitefully use, that requires a violent or forceful love, if you will. It's time for the American church to emulate a forceful morality. We do not need another high profile pastor. I don't need to name any names. Hit the front lines with scandal and have his entire ministry fall into disgrace. We don't need any more of that in the American church. We need to exemplify a forceful morality and standard of righteousness. A time for God's chosen, those of us that love Him and know Him, to to give testimony of His grace and the work of His grace in a forceful way if need be. Scripture says there are some people that you minister to in such a way that it's as if you're snatching them out of the very flames of hell. Wow, that's like a violence in our witness, in our testimony, in our gospel, if you will. I'm not going to stand idly by any longer while the devil just continues to ambush and invade people that I love and those that I'm responsible for, as well as for the country and the freedom that we, in, that we hold so dear in this nation. So don't misunderstand open doors only as outpourings of wonderful good things that just are poured out upon us no matter what. That's not what an open door represents. It's not just an outpouring of the, good, of the good things of God, no matter of your response. I mean, maybe instead of an open door, it's going to be a shut door for somebody that is hearing me right now. Somebody hearing me right now. We need to learn how to celebrate shut doors the same way we celebrate open doors. Because it might just be a door that needs to shut in your life somewhere versus a door that needs to open and we can celebrate both when God here's the thing with door with with doors that God will open or God will shut you got to get your hand off the doorknob because if you keep your hand on the doorknob that's your way of saying I got this God I open this door I can shut this door or I shut that door now I feel like I'm going to open that, that door. Get your hand off of all the doorknobs. Let God control what doors open and what doors close in your life. And again, be ready to embrace them and celebrate. Because see, God does not just arbitrarily open doors. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over the earth. Looking for someone he can show himself mighty through. I've used this illustration many times over the years for that, for a, a, an imagery of that. You remember, it's been several years ago now, so maybe I might date myself a little bit, that's all right. But several years ago, these very colorful little children's books came out, and they're basically with the question, where's Waldo? Am I the only one? Anybody else ever remember that? Where's Waldo? And you had to look in these seas of people <laughs> on the pages... And you had to really focus, and you're like, wait, not you, not you, not There he is, there's Waldo. Folks, I, that's the imagery I get of how the eyes of God roam to and fro over the earth, looking for the Waldo, the somebody that he can show himself mighty through. And he'll set before you and door, an open door. You still have to decide whether you walk through it. And don't be too quick to run through those open doors, because most of the time, the first thing you get when you get through it 
is trouble. Yeah, it's trouble. God opens it. God closes it. Get your hand off the doorknob. Allow God to open the door. Allow God to shut the door. I'm talking to somebody and maybe you had a door slam shut in your face by the devil. Let me tell you something about the way the devil works. This is all that the devil really does and this is what he loves to do. And he does it well. This is what Satan does. And this is all he can do. He plays God. <laughs> he plays God. He'll come along. What? You, you, there's too much peace going on in your life. I'm going to shut that door of peace on you. Or he'll come along and say, mm, you, that's, no, Oh, you need to, I'm going to open the door of fear in your life. He plays God. He will try to open and shut doors, and, and sometimes he does. But he's only playing God. Of course, he'll never be equal to God. How foolish a notion is that. He is a mere servant of, of Jehovah God, if you will. But the devil will. He'll open a door in your life and then turn around and tell you the door was from God. That's why I said at the beginning of this message, we need the discerning, the work of that gift, that spiritual gift called the discerning of spirits. To know when God's opened the door and when, wait a minute, that, I don't, that's not the, God didn't open that door. Number one, if God opens the door, no man, and that includes no devil, can shut the door, can shut a God door. That's, that's the point I'm, I'm really stressing. No devil can open a door God has shut. We just read it. So we need discerning today to know the difference. I mean, maybe, again, the devil came along and said, I'm going to just, you know, I'm, uh, uh, how many of you can agree based on what Scripture says that if, the, if, if a peace, P-E-A-C-E, door is, is open in your life, that's a God door. According to the word of, that's a God door, peace. The devil will come along and try to shut that God door called peace. I want, to, I, want, I want to tell you, for those of you that the devil has told you that door is shut and I shut it, God's about to come along and open the door. God's about to come along for you and open the door of peace again so that peace can fill your life and it will never be shut again in Jesus' name. Put your faith upon that. Maybe the devil shut the door of God's provision on you. Get ready because God said, wait a minute, that door of provision is my door and he's going to open it again and it's going to stay open in Jesus' name. Maybe the devil came along and opened a door, a door of fear. How many of, you, how many of us is easy to, 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 to agree with me when I say based on the revelation of Scripture that if a, fear, a door of fear is open in your life, that is not a God door. Hello? That's not a God door. If there's a, fear, a door of fear open in your life, stand back, get your hand off the knob. God's about to come along and shut that door of fear. And what God shuts, nobody's going to be able to open up again in Jesus' name. Talking about doors. COVID-19 is being used by God. It is. I mean, think about it. This young man who was a nowhere, nobody, no face, nobody, nowhere young man, Sean Foyt, I'm talking about. But 
uh, uh, these open-air city uh, uh, rallies in these cities that are on fire and these most turbulent uh, 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 pro, uh, cities full of riots and shootings and burnings and, uh, across America. Uh, he, he would have never, if it hadn't have been for the COVID-19 and all of that, I don't believe God would have ever said, I want to take you and I want to uh, give you this open door and he'd start going to all these cities and doing these rallies. I mean, God's hand is on the door knob of COVID-19. Don't ever believe anything different. It's not the government. It's not China. And God's hand is ultimately on that doorknob. And God is the one who will close the door on COVID-19 when He determines that any and every redemptive purpose... Remember, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What the devil means for evil, God means for good. So God has redemptive purpose in the door called COVID-19. But His hand is on the knob and when he's done he will shut that door and I know that to be true in Jesus name hallelujah God first looks for someone then he'll set the door set them before an open door and folks I've said this before. I've, there's nothing I can preach anymore after 30 years that I haven't preached before, I don't think. So I try to preface that because I don't ever want anybody to walk away. Pastor, you preached about that already, or you said that before. Well, it bears repeating. I'm the reminder-in-chief again today. Let's stop deifying the men and women of Scripture and post-Scripture that God has used mightily. Let's never deify flesh and blood because when you deify flesh and blood you disqualify yourself from ever being used in a powerful way and God is ready he's looking for that scripture says in 2nd Chronicles 16 9 his eyes he's looking for the Waldos in the crowd that he can that are walking in love with him in his in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he's ready to show himself mighty to those people, Scripture says. Folks, these are just people like you and I, both in the Bible and since the Bible, pre just in all of human history that God has used mightily. I think Catherine Kuhlman made a statement that why, why did God choose you as a woman you know, for the, and give you the ministry that you had? And she said, because he couldn't find a man that was available. That's how she answered that. Well, okay. God used her in a powerful way. As broken as she was, if you know anything about her story. So let's not deify people that are chosen and used mightily by God. They just simply became people that were surrendered. People that chose to accept His invitation. They chose to step through the open door. They chose to surrender everything to the Lord so that God could use them. And just remember, sometimes the first thing you get is trouble. Is trouble. Because don't, don't ever forget this. No matter, no matter the specific work God is doing, Jesus made this very clear for us all. If you love me, the world will hate you. If you love me, the devil will hate you. No matter. You stay in love with Jesus, the devil will hate you. You are a target. He hates you. He's going to do everything he can to try to take you out. But no weapon formed against you 
in Jesus' name, shall be able to prosper. I love these few verses. Only King David can write about this when you understand his life and what he went through. And even how horribly he failed God. And he did. He did fail, but he was restored. Psalm 66, verse 10. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. And that's not a pleasant process. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. But God never leaves you there. But you brought us to a place of abundance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Folks, there's trouble on every side. There are many that have, had, that have tested positive, that have fought the virus and battled the virus. Some members even of this uh, church and this congregation. There's, there's problems, there's suffering, but there's a principle, a, a God principle that, that goes all through his scripture that after the time of suffering always comes the glory. You can't just go to scripture and skip over all the crucifixion and the death and the gory of the cross and jump to the resurrection. You've got to go through that first. You've got to see the death. You've got to see the sacrifice, the suffering, the bleeding, the dying, the, the crucifixion, and then the glory of the resurrection hallelujah in other words you can't just celebrate Easter you got to first celebrate Good Friday after the suffering comes the glory hallelujah in Romans 8 Paul says this to us about that in verse 18 Romans 8 18 the Amplified Bible but what of that for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a glorification coming. The Bible also talks about all of nature. My friend, if you can't, I, you watch the news and you know all of nature is moaning and groaning and travailing, Scripture says. Why? For the revelation of the glory of the Lord upon the sons and daughters of God across this earth. And so there are a whole lot of God's people have been going through some stuff. A lot of you in this room. Loss, struggle, broken relationships, financial issues. Some related to COVID-19, some related, some not. You've been through the fire, you've been through the floodwaters, maybe even through the valley of the shadow of death. And in that process, like we read in, in Revelation at the beginning of this, you've, you have but little strength. You feel like you have but little strength left. Again, that's why God's going to give you an open door. You have but little strength left, but you have kept His word and you've stayed true. You've allowed it to uh, uh, make you better, not bitter, if you will. You see, these are the kind of broken people. They're in love with Jesus. The kind of people that you don't have to pump them, prod them, prime them. They are ready to give God praise. Hallelujah. Broken people are always ready. Instant in season and out of season. In the church meeting and outside of the church meeting. Broken people are always ready to give a reason of the hope that is in them. They love Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm talking about broken people who have suffered for the sake of their own dream like Joseph did. Everything was going great for Joseph. He was a silver spoon kid. Do you know what that means? 
the favorite son of his father Jacob, the favorite, the youngest, doted over, ooh, just everything was going great for Joseph until God opened a door in the, in the form of a dream. You read the story, and I don't have time to read it, but when Joseph shared that dream, all hell broke loose against him. Wait a minute. Didn't God open this door? Didn't he? God told me I, this would happen and that was going to be. And I, I mean, when he opened that, that, when he opened the door, when he spoke that dream, his own brothers turned against him. He is falsely accused of rape. I mean, his father even rebuked him. After 13 years of trouble, though, Joseph was promoted <laughs> to the second, the prime minister of all of Egypt. After the season of his suffering, was the open door from God? Yes. Was the dream from God? Yes. But it, it allowed, it, 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 it broke Joseph. It did not embitter him. It didn't make him bitter. It made him broken before the Lord. I mean, I, I grew up in the South hearing, hearing, hearing phrases like this from just good old Southern folk that I grew up around. If you ain't never been through nothing, you ain't got nothing to say. Now, all you English teachers, don't stone me. Just making a point. Broken people. Joseph became broken in that time. The dream was working. Again, God did, as we just read in Psalms, brought him into a place of abundance. After he was in prison, falsely accused, rejected, all because of a God dream. Lord, you said this. You showed me this. My friends, I don't believe Joseph is the only one. I believe there's some folks listening to me right now. And the trouble and the problems and the suffering and the strains of life have broken you. Not broken you and, and made you bitter. Not broken you and made you disillusioned. But broken you and filled you with a love for God and an intimacy with Him like you've never known before. I mean, broken people, you've, you too have suffered maybe for the sake of your dream. Maybe you've suffered for the sake of a, your, a vision God gave you. Maybe you've suffered for the sake of, of your faith on your job or on your workplace. You've been broken. You've been spilled out. You haven't let the chains stop you. You haven't let the weakness stop you. You haven't let the hurts stop you. You haven't let the suffering stop you. You haven't let shut doors stop you. You haven't let the pandemic stop you. Broken people who haven't let their struggle, whatever it may be, stop them from pursuing their God. I'm talking about people who have come to the place where they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. They will not take no for an answer. They haven't let their suffering stop them from shouting for victory. Even if there are tears in their eyes, they cry, I know my Redeemer lives. I am going to see a victory. I said, I am going to see a victory. Why? Because the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
After the test does come a testimony. After the plague comes the promise. After the accusation comes the vindication. After the pain is going to come great gain. After the sorrow comes the joy. Just as sure as the sun went down on you, it is going to come up again. So as the old song says, Hold on, my child, weeping only lasts for the night, for joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Broken people know that. They've shared in His sufferings. We're going to walk in His power and in His glory. Hallelujah. For God says this in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times, plural. Seasons and times of refreshing. Man, I've lived long enough that I can name some times and seasons of refreshing. Some would call them revivals, awakenings, excuse me, moves of God, waves of the move of God, waves of harvest, waves of souls being saved, waves of seasons and times and seasons of, the, of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's the, that's, the, that's the dispensation, if you will, that we've been in for the last 2,000 plus years. <clears throat> I want to pause here and give you something. I believe we're moving from times, plural, into a time, the final time. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Where the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth, even as the waters cover the sea. And just prior to that is not a, is not a very pretty picture. The little prophet Habakkuk gives a powerful prophecy that speaks to right where America is right now. Habakkuk 2 verse 12 says this, Woe to him who builds a town with blood and establishes a city by iniquity. Pick a city. Pick a city across the land right now. Shootings and riots and burnings and murders and ambushes. Folks, when, when, when someone can walk up on a police car... And fire into the window and run away and gloat about it, post it on the internet, and have people of that mindset, people of lawlessness, people of the spirit of Antichrist, show up at the hospital. Chanting things I can't even kill the blank blank I can't even we, we hope they die about two innocent police officers woe to him my friend when God says woe to you there is no human help <laughs> there is no human help for you woe to him that thinks they're going to build something with blood and establish a city, a culture, a society with sin, with lawlessness. The next verse, Behold, it is not by appointment of the Lord of hosts that the nations toil 
only to satisfy the fire that will consume their work. And the peoples weary themselves only for emptiness, falsity, and futility. But the time is coming when the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the sea. I believe, and I'm going to show that from uh, uh, Acts 3, that we're moving from times to the final time. And let me read that all together now, starting in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God. Now, I just earlier mentioned to you the scripture from uh, the, uh, the book of Acts that says God's commanding. He's commanding everybody to repent. And He's commanding everybody to repent because he is, he, there is a time of judgment that's going to come. And God doesn't want to bring judgment. I hope we understand that about the heart of God. He does not want to judge. God is a God, the scripture says, is full of tender mercy, full of loving kindness, ready to pardon. Not ready to judge, but ready to pardon. So he says, I'm commanding repentance so that you can come into my family, come into the household of faith, into my kingdom, so that when the time of judgment comes, it won't fall upon you. So Acts 3.19, then verse 20 and he, that he, God, may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. That happened. Heaven must receive him. That's happened. And look at this, until the time singular. Now, God just said and made reference to times, plural, times and seasons of refreshing and renewal and revival, and to a time And look what he says about that time. For him to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Another translation says, Until the time for the complete restoration of all that God spoke by the mouth of all of his holy prophets for ages past. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of good, powerful, prophetic words from the holy prophets of old. And God is saying, I'm moving the kingdom. I'm moving the earth, if you will. I'm moving humanity from times, my people from times of of refreshing seasons and and dispensations and waves of, of refreshing into a final time. Now that time looks really bad in the natural, Habakkuk prophesied about it that we just read, but it's going to culminate in God restoring everything promised by His holy prophets and His glory covering the earth even as the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. So we're moving from times into a time. And I believe one of the things that I'm understanding about this final time are these doors that God is beginning to open and doors that God is beginning to shut in our lives in churches, in ministry, in businesses, in company. God is opening doors and God is shutting doors because we're entering the final time for the complete restoration of all things prophesied, given to us by all. And that's a big little three-letter word. All of His holy prophets. Understand when Jesus stood up in the temple and opened the scroll of Isaiah, He quoted from Isaiah And it's repeated, it's written in Luke chapter 4. He stood up and he declared the favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord. He said this is now the time of the favor of the Lord. The word is, is used in some translations, the year. But year is not translated there as 365, 24 hour days. 
It is translated there as an age or a time of his favor. Let me ask you, I don't find anything, any chapter or verse that ever says that the, that ended. That Jesus or God said, okay, the favor, my favor is over now. You know, good luck with that. We are still in that time of the favor of the Lord. That time that scripture goes on to say is today. When should we be saved? Right now. When is salvation? Right now is the time. Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation. For tomorrow never comes. Right now is the time to be right with God. Folks, Jesus said it. I came to declare the year of the favor of the Lord. I came to release captives. Release all who are imprisoned by sin. All who are imprisoned by darkness. So you see, Jesus never came to condemn captives. He came to release them. He never came and, 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 and is not, he, he is not angry when he comes up on a blind person. He gives them sight. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not disappointed that we are downtrodden. He comes and lifts us up. He isn't upset that we are weak and frail. He gives us his strength. He isn't frustrated. That we come running to Him for every little thing all the time. He is, that's exactly how He has created us to be. He is thrilled when we do that. Hallelujah. So regardless of what you feel like, look like, or have recently been acting like, the hand of God is on the door. He's getting ready to open. He's getting ready to shut. Hallelujah. Understand, he's not going to open a door unless he has someone that says, Lord, here am I. Use me, send me. I, I, I'm ready. I'm available. I surrender everything to you. Everything to you, Father. And I want you to send me forth. Like this young man, Sean, wow. Oh, if somebody had asked him, you know, before he ever had this first rally, if this is something he ever wanted to do, longed to do, aspired to do, dreamed to do, I'm sure he would say, absolutely not. God set an open door upon him because God's hand was on him for the assignment for him to go through the open door. Hallelujah. And that's what he's doing. And I believe his, God's hand is on that young man. Let's keep him covered in our prayers because the devil certainly hates him. You know, when David stood before Goliath, he was just a little young shepherd boy, <clears throat> young teenager, was not a soldier, didn't know anything about battle, but he knew the Lord. <laughs> he knew God. And if the devil had skewed David's depth perception, and he had seen himself as this little boy standing in front of this great big giant, I think the story might have gone quite differently. You know, he probably remembered the story of the ten spies that the great prophet who was a great, you know, prophet in, in that time for generations to come to this day. David probably heard the story about how Moses uh, sent the ten spies over and how, I mean, twelve, he sent the twelve spies over and ten of them came back and, and the devil had skewed their depth perception. And ten came back saying, we are but... They saw themselves as 
grasshoppers. Their depth perception was skewed by the devil. And, oh, these, this is a land of giants where there's no way. They're, they're all bigger than us. They, they outnumber us. They're, they're, they're larger than us. You know who the real giant was in David's encounter with Goliath? <laughs> who, was, who was the real giant? Uh, David, wasn't he? Because of the God on the inside of him. Because it was the God on the inside of him that was the giant. And that's how David saw himself as he stood before that physical giant. That the God, and he even declared that, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who is this man to defy the armies of the living God? And he began to sling that sling and swing that sling around his head. And the Holy Ghost <laughs> sent it flying and it hit the giant right between the eyes. But if David had seen himself as little. You know, there's an interesting, very interesting thing about Israel. Even to this day, Israel as a nation, geographically, is very, very, very small. The size of our state, New Jersey. Thanks, Pastor Jerry, for that little trivia this morning. Very small. And even biblically, Israel was often outmanned, outnumbered, smaller than the armies they encountered. Of course, God was with them. God would even have them many times get the color guard and send the color guard out first. That's what they used to call it in the high school band. The color guard were the ones waving the flags and beating the drums and making them, <laughs> pronouncing and announcing what was about to happen if you will. God even instructed them. After Moses passed, he instructed them, set my presence out in front of you. You're about to encounter the biggest city with the biggest walls you've ever seen. The greatest city, fortified city ever. Nothing like it in Moses' tenure, if you will. And God told Joshua because there was no more army. The army died in the wilderness. Scripture tells us that in the book of Joshua. All the mighty men of war died with the unbelieving generation. Set my presence out, and they crossed over the Jordan, and God just told them to start marching around and around and just shouting and singing and shouting and singing. A, there's no arrows, no archers, no swordsmen, no chariots, no none of that. They, they had no army. There were other times when God would tell them, anyway, send the praise or send the band, send the worship out in front. See, so I want to I challenge you today. Stop overestimating the enemy. Don't allow the devil to skew your depth perception and convince you that you're too small, you're too weak, you're just one person, and what you're up against is so much bigger than you. Because, my friend, if you're on the scene, if you're in the situation, then Jesus is in the middle of that situation, and he is a giant of all giants living on the inside of you. No matter how outnumbered you think you are, no matter how outmaneuvered you think you are, no matter how small you may think you are, if you open up your eyes of faith like David did, you will see that those that be with you far outnumber those that be against you. Hallelujah. To this day, in modern day Israel from 1940, whatever, when they became a nation again, to present day, that little country, that little army has never lost a conflict. They have never lost a battle. Because God fights for them. 
when he found Gideon, Gideon was in, uh, Israel was in a mess, invaded on all sides because of their backsliding against God. And the little young, youngest of his family, we don't know his exact age, scripture doesn't say, but said he was the youngest, the weakest of the youngest and the weakest tribe of all of Israel. Just some farmers and, you know, herders and farmers, no warriors, no, no soldiers, no military men in that, in that family. God found Gideon and he said, Gideon, you weak, little, pathetic, fearful young man, stand up. Is that how he spoke to Gideon? No, you can go read it for yourself. He said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. What, who? 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 Me? What? Me? Can't you see? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, um, I started to say, I started to say shuck wheat, but it should be shuck corn. I'm trying to shuck a little corn here so we can grind it up and have a little cake for dinner. What, you talking to me? God never looks at you and speaks to you based on your current condition, your current situation. He looks at you and speaks to you based on what he sees, what he's declared over you, what he's declared for you. He speaks to you based on the open door he has brought before you. And of course then Gideon, he made another mistake. He, he gathered the army and then God said, whoop, too big. Get rid of them. There's way too many people here. I'm going to get the glory for this. And folks, let me tell you something. God, <clears throat> things are changing. We're in a final time where God is going to begin to get glory. Personalities are no longer going to take the glory or get the glory any longer. This celebrity-driven church machine in America that I believe is just so compromised and corrupted, God is just going to move to a bunch of folk like you and I that nobody knows us, they never heard of us because, again, we're walking blameless before Him. We are broken people that have been through hell and high water and have still not quit. We have, come, we have come through flood and fire and hurricane and virus and we're still in love with Jesus and God's brokenness has made us better and made us stronger. His glory is about to come. We don't see ourselves uh, uh, again like grasshoppers uh, uh, before giants. We see ourselves the way God sees us. Mighty men and women and children of valor, of courage, of anointing and of power that God is going to release into, the, into this final time for a final harvest. So I don't know, somebody in here, maybe all you need to do is just make a little bit more noise. Let me give you a couple of those scriptures and I'm done. Woo. Okay, 2 Chronicles 13, 14. Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked on both sides, front and rear, surrounded by the enemy. Then they cried out to the Lord, Look at this. The priests blew the trumpets. Man, they didn't know what to do but just start shouting and making a bunch of noise. And, at, and the men of Judah raised a battle cry. Look at this. At the sound of their battle cry, God routed the enemies and defeated them on Israel's behalf. At the sound. <laughs> make enough noise. Just make enough noise. Because God's going to get the glory. Look what he said to him again in just a few uh, chapters, just the very next, or the book of 1 Chronicles in the same uh, uh, stories of the Chronicles. As soon as you hear, 1 Chronicles 14, 15, as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the 
poplar trees, and some translations say mulberry trees, move out to battle because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike down the Philistine army. So God said sometimes just a noise. Sometimes that God would cause the enemy to hear the noise of horses and chariots coming. Just the noise. Little old Israel didn't have that many horses and chariots. They were always outnumbered and outmanned and outgunned and outmaneuvered all the time. But God was the one who fought for them. And my friend, if, again, if Jesus is in the middle of your mess, then you are not outnumbered because those that be with you far outnumber those that be against you. If Jesus is there, then, the, then there is a giant of all giants over the top of any giant you may think you're facing. So maybe for somebody today, you just need to send a little more praise out ahead of you. Send a little more shout out ahead of you. Maybe just stomp your feet a little and clap your hands a little bit more. And you may find that God will take that noise and amplify that noise. And the enemy will hear the sound of war coming from your heart. And it'll be a sound of an exceeding great army. And the enemy that came in against you once way the Bible says will flee out from you seven ways hallelujah and the victory will be yours the victory will be yours we're in a final time the kingdom suffers violence forcefulness is needed in our witness in our in our outreach in our prayer in our worship in our praise God is opening doors and shutting doors because He's setting us up for the fulfillment of the final time for the complete restoration of all things prophesied by all of His holy prophets. Folks, I want to tell you something. When God opens the door, no man, no devil, no addiction, no regret, no past mistake can close that door. Hallelujah. And when he shuts the door, same thing. But you know what? It all starts with another kind of door. And I want to talk briefly about it as we close today. This door is a door, Scripture says, is a door on on our heart. Each of our hearts has a door. Scripture says Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. That's a door, he will not touch the doorknob. That's the only door in our lives. He will not open it, he will not shut it. You have to open it, and or, I hope you never shut it. Unfortunately, some people will shut it. Some have opened and will shut it again. Some have never opened, some have opened and have left it open. They took their hand off of it because they know I'm not ever shutting that door again on Jesus. I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says, at that door. And if you, anybody comes and opens that door and lets me in, I will come in and forgive them and fill them and heal them and be their Lord and be their God and be their Savior. So I'm going to ask you, you may be in this room You may be watching online. What what are you doing or what have you done or what will you do 
with that door. That door. If you're in the room, just bow your heads. I want us to honor this moment. Just bow your heads right here. Jesus is knocking. <clears throat> Will you open the door and let him in? No, it's not about, you know, mama's faith or dad's faith or grandma's faith or grandpa's faith or the pastor's faith. Where is your faith? Have you put your faith and your hope and your trust in the Lord? He's knocking and he's ready and waiting for you to open the door. If you're online, just bow your heads there. Shut everything out for these moments. Will you open that door and let Jesus in? You'll never be the same again. Everything will change. When he comes in, and I believe when he comes in, he's going to start pretty quick shutting some doors. He's going to shut the door of sin in your life because he's going to wash the sin away. He's going to shut the door of fear, of rejection, of addiction, of, of unbelief and doubt real quick. You're not going to be able to shut those doors on your own without Jesus. <clears throat> but I want to pray with you, and you might be in this room. If you're in this room and you want to be in, this, in on this prayer, you want to be a part of this prayer, I'm about to pray to help you open that door and let Jesus in. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you're in this room and you're like, Pastor, I want to be a part of that prayer, can I see your hand? Raise it up so I can see it in this room. Anybody in this room right now? Anybody in this room? I want to open the door of my heart right now and let Jesus in. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand back down. Anybody else? I want to know that that door is open. That, he, that Jesus rules my heart and my life. Online, the same thing. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying this way. Heavenly Father, right now, you saw those hands. You, you saw the decisions being made for the door to be open. They're opening the door of their heart to you right now so that these other doors, some that need to shut and some that need to open, will begin to happen by your hand. But that can't happen without this door that we do control being open. And Lord, there may be others that the door was once open, but they went their way, they... They lost their direction. They compromised their faith. They fell in love with other things. And they shut the door. They shut it. On you. Oh, Holy Spirit, right now, that they open that door up again. That they are restored to their faith. That their sins are washed away. And they're, and they're made clean and whole again before you. And if that's you, if you prayed that prayer privately, silently, I'm going to ask you whether you're online or in this room, if you would do something for me. This is, this is new and we're, we're going to do this regularly now. We have new, a new outreach, a new follow-up for you. We want to minister to you and help you pray with you further. But if you would text the word LIFE, you see it on your screen right now if you're online or in this room. Text the word LIFE to 561-232-3992. No matter the day, the time, the hour, we're going to come and minister to you. We're going to reach out to you and respond to you. Just text the word LIFE to the number you see on the screen. We'll leave it there. 
If you're in the room, would you stand for the benediction, Father? Thank you for doors. <laughs> we celebrate both open doors and closed doors because this is the final time, the time of the restoration of all things prophesied by your holy prophets. Doors opening and doors closing by your hand set before people surrendered, broken, ready, called and sent forth. So Father, thank you for open doors. Thank you for shut doors of opportunity, of sacrifice, of, of, of direction, of, of, new, of new instructions for us as a people, for us individually, for us as families, as, and for us as a church. So Lord, I thank you for open doors. I thank you for the time we're in. Lord, let us be aware and let us see and understand and realize we're in the final time for Jesus is coming soon. And so, Lord, we thank you today. And I bless your people. I bless them with your peace, with rest, with refreshing, with vision, with a forcefulness in their faith like never before until we meet together again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Wait for tonight. I'm yeah. excited. Oh, me too. I've been watching it online. Yeah, me too. I've been watching some of it. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. Tony, bless you, bless you. It's always good to have you.